Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, November 8th, 2020. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Another big show coming up for you tonight. Molly Walker of the New York Post will be joining Christian and I. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? I'm good, Sean. Another exciting show lined up for everybody tonight. (laughs) Another big show coming up. It's off-season hockey talk in November. Things are still weird in 2020, and we're just (laughs) doing the best we can. I want to remind everybody, we are sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jarco Turnpike in Huntington. Make sure you head over for great food. Excellent people and big Islander fans. You can check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. We're also sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long, hold times in the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516 856 7800. They are also from Long Island and they are also die hard Islander fans. So, with that, Christian. Let's uh, let's get into it here, pal. Let's talk. There there is some news yes. in Islander land. Thankfully, we have some some content <laughs> to talk about. And at the top of that list is Ryan Pollock. He signed a deal, two years, five million. Maybe you wanted it to be a little longer if you're an Islander fan, but given this unprecedented cap situation. I guess the Islanders kind of just work with what they had. Two years, five mil. That's going to take him to unrestricted free agency. What do you say, CA? Yeah, it was a a good deal for the Islanders. It was a good deal for Ryan Pulak because at the end of the day, the situation surrounding the Islanders, cap flexibility, the situation surrounding the financial circumstances around the National Hockey League are not ideal for anybody. And it's kind of what um, we've seen from other players as far as contracts. I think it wasn't too much of a surprise. I, I I thought it would have been a longer-term deal, to be quite honest with you. But at the same time, I think that the Islanders needed to get Ryan Pulak locked up at a, a reasonable rate for what he does, considering the circumstances and their, their flexibility or their lack of flexibility with the cap. And for Ryan Pulak, it's the similar situation that I think we talked about Matt Barzal a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. where... He comes back as an unrestricted free agent in a much more, or what you would hope and assume is a much more uh, financially stable year uh, in two years when he becomes when he, he becomes a UFA. So I think it, it it gives them a little bit more of an opportunity for a bigger payday at that point too. He's you know he's it, it's a circumstance for for Ryan Pulak and, and Matt Barzal by extension where for, of the years that you'd want to come up as an RFA, this is probably the, the worst time and they. They took yeah. it the worst in the in in the wallet because yeah. of the circumstances. Yeah, they were kind of forced to bet on themselves, right? And I think we're going to see something similar, Barzell. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But, yeah, it's a situation where, you know, Pollock doesn't really have much choice in the matter. He's restricted, so he doesn't have a lot of pull in negotiations. They, they avoided arbitration. He did file for it. Right. 
and, and honestly, he probably would have got somewhere where he where what he got now for, from arbitration. So the Islanders right. kind of cut out the middleman and said, "All right, mm-hmm. let's get this done." Because with arbitration, similar similarly to why they dealt Devontae's is that you don't really know what the end of, at the end of the day you can we can guesstimate what sure. that number would have been, but. Right. At the end of the day, it's up to the arbitrator, and then if, if that number's higher than you expected, you kind of put yourself in a precarious spot. Right. Yeah, and look, it, it's probably – look, it's Pollock is betting on himself here for two years. It takes non-restricted free agency, which I think is a little scary for Islander fans because Islanders have been burned by the unrestricted free agency <laughs> period in the past, as we know. And Pollock is a big part of this team. He's a guy you want to have locked up long-term, so – you know, it's good. I feel like $5 million was a good price, a good deal to get him on, you know, in the immediate. But two years from now, we're going to be wondering what's going on, whether he's going to stay, how much he's going to get. I mean, he's definitely going to get, going to get more than the $5 million that he's making now. I mean, another good thing is a lot of contracts will be coming off the right. cap by then, yep. and they won't, there won't be this squeeze. But he's going to have his pick of the litter then. Yeah, and, I mean, and for Pulak, too, I think at the two-year time limit or time length of the contract that – He's only going to be 28 at that point. He's still very much going to be in his prime when he's going to become a UFA. So whether it's the Islanders, whether it's another team, you know, he's still in most likely his prime. He's still in the best position to command a lot of money from whichever team he ends up signing with at that point. Right now, though, the focus is obviously his decision to stay on the Islanders and because of their what he perceives as their ability to, the, the you know, a, a chance to win a cup there. And I think that... You know, I think, too, the reason why that he went out and said, all right, I'll take a, a little less than maybe what he would have wanted at $5 million per. Mm. Um, I think it's because he believes in what the Islanders have built over the last couple of years. He believes in what Lou Lamorella and Barry Trotz have built um, for the New York Islanders. And I think that's a huge testament to um, what's been going on here the last couple of years and the success that the Islanders have had. And I think he sees that and he recognizes that. Um even with you know the loss of Devontae, it's a it's a it's a big loss on the on the blue line, right. no doubt. Right. But I think a lot of people believe in Noah Dobson, and I think at sure. the end of the day, they he saw what the Islanders could do when they were at their best during this this bizarre kind of <laughs> <laughs> summer playoffs that we had here. Right, uh, and and that excited I think a lot of those guys, Matt Barzal, Matt Barzal especially too. Ryan Pulak obviously mentioned that, um, and just his belief in what the Islanders can do going forward. And that's what it all comes down to, right? You have these discussions about, you know, what's going to, you know, get a guy signed on a team? What's going to keep him there? What's going to have him come to your team? We've talked about, we talked about it with Dave Paniota, right? right? The outlook of the team now with the new arena and, you know, with, with the, the practice facility. And, and, but, the, but he said it. The main thing is the team's got to be successful. Right. They've got to be a good team. And like you said, this is the most successful team they've had in a very long time. And you'd like to think that that's going to keep going. If it does, there's a good chance of Pulik staying because there is there's no instability now when it comes to ownership. When it comes to where they're going to play, they're going to be playing in a brand spanking new arena. So all that stuff is going to be in the Islanders' favor. They just got to keep winning games, and then there's a good chance Pulik stays. Yeah, and I mean the Islanders are in win now mode. Let's not forget that this is a team that is very much in being built or have been built has been built to win now um, in a relatively short time frame, right? Because the last couple of years, the, the lengths of the Anders Lee contract, some of the other contracts that they have, and bringing in and J.G. Pajot, it, it signifies that the Islanders are not a team that's thinking we're going to win a Stanley Cup in three, four, five years. They're thinking we're going to win a Stanley Cup in the next year or so. Uh, and they came pretty darn close to at least competing for it yeah. at, at, its, at its farthest length this past summer. So the Islanders are right there. It'll be interesting to see what... 
the circumstances with how this 2020-2021 season plays out right? and what kind of goes into it and how that impacts the Islanders. But at the same time, it, this team is very much built to win now. And uh, Ryan Pulak is a big part of that, and, and I think he sees it. Yeah, no, they, they committed heavily to the veterans on this team. I mean, you look back a year, right, and you got the contracts for Lee, Nelson. Eberly. Eberly. I mean, they're all locked in for a long time into their 30s. So they're betting. They're betting on these guys, right? They're, the bet, the bets have been hedged, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The uh, they competed last year. We obviously saw some of their faults down the stretch before the pandemic right. caused the pause. But at the same time, we also saw what this Islanders team can do uh, on the other on the flip side when they can when they're playing together when they're playing their style of hockey when they're firing all, on all cylinders. They are a very tough team to play. And they're a very tough team to beat, and they can win in all these different circumstances. But obviously, again, when it comes down to the Barry Trotz style, it starts at defense. It starts with goaltending. It starts at the blue line. Right. And of course, Ryan Pulak is a big part of that. Adam Pellick is a big part of that. Sure. And then, obviously, you look down the down the depth of the Islanders. Scott Mayfield and um, you know Nick Letty are going to be a part of that too. And you would imagine that's that's the pairings, the, at least the top four pairings you'd see next season when whenever that whenever that starts. And it's funny, I'm looking at cap friendly and I'm looking ahead to those that two years from now and almost every defenseman on the Islanders roster will be a free agent that summer. <laughs> with the with the exception of perhaps uh, Adam Pellick, he's an RFA after right. this coming year. So if he only gets signed to a year, that's another guy. But Scott Mayfield is the only defenseman that's signed through 2023. <laughs> Everybody else is coming off the books. Boychuk, Letty, Pullock, Hickey, all off the books. So that'll be, and, and Noah Dobson's going to be an RFA that summer. So that'll be interesting. So the Islanders might need to build, build an entirely new blue line. It, it, they might. It's <laughs> Obviously true. kidding, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully some of those cogs will be, will be locked in long term. But uh, it's going to be quite the, the flip scenario between now and then. It's like. They just have to get through these two years of, of what's going to be a cap issue, a cap situation, and then it just kind of opens up. Like, even on the forward group, you got half of the group are either becoming free agents between the end of this year or the following year. But, of course, you have those other guys locked up, Lee, Nelson, Eberle, Pajot, Bailey, and uh, dare I say Andrew Ladd if he's somehow still a part of this, part of <laughs> that this squad. That would be an insane. If Andrew Ladd, and, and this is with all due respect, but right. if Andrew Ladd is still on the roster at that point, I mean... Something must have gone terribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll worry about that, I guess, when the time comes. I still don't think he's going to see any ice this year, but uh, who knows? I didn't think he was going to play in the playoffs. <laughs> he gets in there. I mean, who saw that coming? Yeah, no, it's playoffs especially, but then again, in that circumstance, you use whatever pieces you have, and at that point, Andrew Ladd's presence was, it, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. It, it actually helped a little bit in that circumstance, but it's hard to envision a time where he's going to be out there much this season coming up. I mean, you look at the roster. I know we've looked at it and talked about it a bit, but it's hard to envision him taking a spot away from anyone uh, that's going to be competing, especially considering that we're really only talking about that third-line winger position as far as open roster spots going into next year. Yeah, well, I'm sticking with that bet. If, if he doesn't end up getting dealt somehow, I feel like he's, he's going to be on a long-term IR. I, I just see no other way around. It is a, a LTIR, from what I understand, is a bit complicated, but yeah, it makes it makes the most sense. I, I mean, it would make the most on. sense. We'll see, we'll see. But with that, let's take a break because we got Molly Walker joining us. So, folks, want to thank you all for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at hockeynightny.com. We'll be right back. 
Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country. You'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800. That's 516-856-7800. Or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com. That's Thai, T-I-E, technology.com. Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service. The only thing better than a great Long Island deli is a great Long Island deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. That's right. This is Hockey Night in New York. Christian Arnold and Sean Cuthbert, as always, here with you. And joining us on the phone right now is Molly Walker from the New York Post. Molly, thanks so much for the time. How's it going? Of course. I'm good. How are you? We're doing good. A little bit of Islanders news to actually talk about, which is it seems like it's been a while that there's been actually any real news to, to discuss. But Ryan Pulak, obviously <laughs> the big story this week with his two-year uh, $10 million contract signed. Molly, just your initial reaction to the contract. And were you surprised at all by any of the, the details surrounding it? No, I definitely wasn't surprised. Um, I was honestly expecting them to come to a deal, especially before arbitration. Um, you know, he's the number one defenseman. He led all defensemen with 35 points. He's Pelic's right-hand guy. And the deal takes him to being right up to a UFA at the end of the two-year deal. So, I mean, I think it works out nicely for both sides. And there's just a, a pretty common, you know, theme and, and vibe coming from the team that that core, you know, just really wants to stay together. So, I wasn't surprised by it at all, and I think it, it it works out for both sides, for sure. Absolutely, Molly. And just to to follow up with that, obviously now everybody's going to look ahead at Matt Barzell. How do you see this affecting the negotiations with him and Lou Lamarillo getting a contract done before uh, whenever next season starts? Well, I mean, when we did speak to Pulak, you know, he said that he had been in communication with Barzell and that he wants to be there, obviously. And there hasn't been any indication that, he wouldn't, he's not going to come back next season. That's obviously not on the table, but um, I think that there's going to have to be another move to be made to open up the necessary cap space to get Barzell the, the, his rightful kind of contract. But obviously the, the flat salary cap is really 
hurting every single team. It's not just the Islanders. It's, it's absolutely everybody. So that making an extra move is, is going to be a little bit different, difficult because not a lot of teams are in the market right now for taking on salary dumps or anything like that. So, you know, that kind of makes it harder to move someone like Boychuk or Ladd if that's something that Lamarello wants to do. But as for Barzell, that they probably will have to make another move in order to give him a, a nice sum. It'll probably be around the seven million range, three years. But he also could probably get get it for two as well. Um, so I mean, I, it definitely is going to happen. But it, they're going to have to make free up some space in order to give him probably what he's asking for. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting spot with with everyone in kind of the same boat for the for the most part. But but looking at mm-hmm. Pulak's contract, how much of it um, can we take and use as a bit of a parallel? Obviously, Barzal is a much different player than Ryan Pulak, but their importance is is mm-hmm. pretty parallel to the team. What can we take away and, and use as some insight when we're looking at what to expect? Because I do I do agree with you though. I think that the seven million figure is probably where it's going to end up with Barzal. Mm-hmm. I think Pulak coming in at five really works out because it's, you know, you got to take into consideration what he means to the team and, and the time that he's, you know, been within the organization organization and such. And all of those factors apply to Barzell as well. He is part of that young core and, you know, a part of that camaraderie that, you know, is an identifier for this team. So that's why, you know, compared to Pulak's five mil, Barzell's contributions bring him up to around seven. And I think that, you know, that's how you can kind of compare it, knowing that they both have that same kind of, I guess, aura about them on the team and, you know, what they mean to mean to the team, essentially. Talking with Molly Walker from the New York Post. Molly, the one thing I, I, I kind of mentioned it before um, that, that Pulak and, and Barzal had been talking, or Pulak said that they had talked a little bit during the RFA process. Mm-hmm. The one thing uh, from that I feel some fans kind of took away with it, that there was an implication maybe that Barzal would be willing to take a more team-friendly deal. Did did you get that same mm-hmm. sense from that from that comment as well? I definitely wouldn't put it past uh, both sides. You know, I feel like, like we've talked about so much, you know, that they are fully committed to making it work to be able to keep that core together. And, and Pula couldn't have drove home that fact anymore. All he talked about was how badly he just wanted it to work. Like he would have, it sounded like he even would have taken less right. just to make it work. Um, so I think Barzell is probably in a little more, like a little bit more of a different situation considering he's teetering on that star power level of, of money. So uh, that's the only reason why I think there's a little bit of a difference there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on Molly. And there's another fellow who happened to come to agreement on a contract a little bit before Pollock. We didn't get a chance to talk about it yet on this show, but I wanted to bring it up here. Josh Hosang. And I still can't believe I'm mentioning yep. that guy's name, <laughs> but he, he came to an agreement with the team. Maybe you could just talk a little bit about that and, and where that situation is. Cause it is such a bizarre, strange situation that he's even still part of this franchise. It is. It definitely has. It definitely um, has come a long way. But honestly, in retrospect, this is a pretty low risk move for the Islanders. He is coming in. He's obviously under a million. All he really needed during that arbitration. All, the only reason why he pushed it to arbitration, I feel, is because he wanted more money at the minor league level. The statement that I got from his agent, you know, he purposely mentioned that 
that getting that extra raise in, at the minor league level is going to allow him to, I guess, more comfortably compete for, you know, where he wants to be if he has to spend some time in the, in the minor leagues. Um, but otherwise, you know, he's coming in at a low price. If he keeps his act together and, you know, just, you know, has been working on himself this whole time and, you know, we don't have any showing up to training camp late in- incidents or anything <laughs> like that and he earns a spot on the roster, he could be a, con- a third-line contributor or a second-line contributor for a bargain price. So, the and I'm sure, you know, Hosang's party came to the table basically saying that, you know, they understand that this is this would be his last chance with the organization and they don't intend on wasting it because it, it's true. He does need them just as much as, as they need him. So, you know, he needs to get on the NHL stage and prove what he can do if he wants to continue, if he wants to play there at all, whether it be with the Islanders or anywhere else. So even if the, the, relationship is kind of sour at this point if he goes makes the roster plays a little bit and ups his trade value then the islanders can you know make something happen there too so i i definitely think it it worked out for both parties for sure and do you think that from the islander standpoint that they're actually going to give him a legitimate shot like because i just wonder if this this situation is soured as much as you know you mentioned that you know yeah that maybe are they still going to come into camp and, and give him a shot at that spot? Because, yeah, I mean, look, if you're just looking at the numbers, you're just looking at paper, I'd love to see Josh Hosang line up line up next to J.G. Pajot <laughs> in the third line. I'd love to see them make some magic this year. But it just seems <laughs> like this, this situation has gotten so bad that I don't even know if the Islanders are going to give him a legit chance to, to do it. Yeah, I know. You know, I think Lou Lamorello wants to win, and I think Barry Trotz wants to win. And if you really look at... I guess you could call them offenses, Hosang's <laughs> offenses. They're not <laughs> crazy. You know, there's definitely been worse. You know, it seems to be more so like an attitude kind of problem. Like, it, it almost small, like, sort of resembles Leaf Anderson to me almost. Like, it's just, mm. you know, it's, yeah, right? Like, I could almost draw a little bit of a comparison there. Um it's not it's not terrible the things that he's done you know he's just kind of it seems like a little bit more of an attitude problem more of a maturing thing and you know maybe he's outgrown that you know he has new representation you know he's no longer with the agent that requested a formal trade you know so maybe he's on a different path now and realizes like he needs the islanders to get on that nhl stage and to and to you know up his trade value and up his stock in the league so i don't think that his like I said, offenses are enough that they are completely, you know, thinking of how they can get rid of this kid. Cause clearly, you know, they would have done it already or, you know, let it go to arbitration. So, you know, not arbitration, but, you know, just not let it figure itself out. So, I mean, I, I just, I don't think it was enough that they're not going to give him a shot because he could definitely help them. We're talking to Molly Walker from the New York Post. Molly, in that vein, too, obviously where Hosang would get a shot if he was going to get a shot with the Islanders would be that that third line. Obviously, J.G. Pajot mm-hmm. is going to be the center there, but there's a lot of big questions going into next season, whenever that season will start, uh, aside from that question. But a lot of questions about what who was going to be on that line with J.G. Pajot. Is there any thought process that you have that um, might indicate who or might you might predict would be on that line with Pajot next season. It's really hard to predict that right now because 
there are going to have to be so many contracts that are that were on this roster this past season that they need to bury in the minors in order to make everything work financially with the flat salary cap. And they thankfully do have a pretty decent amount of options that are, you know, they're on smaller deals, 1 million deals that, that it works out for them to bury them in the minors and, and, you know, it won't count against them. So it's so tough because they need to solidify the roster more before you can kind of see where that, where that's going to go and see who you have at, at training camps and who, but unfortunately, I just feel like a lot of the decisions that are going to be made going forward are going to be salary cap related. And, you know, we already saw it already. Lamorello definitely did not want to trade Devontae's. Like, he didn't want that to happen, but it had to happen. And I feel like there's definitely going to be another move, maybe even two, that he has to make in order to make it all work. And speaking of that third line, do you think that Derek Broussard is still on the radar? I mean, you go back to a Lou quote where he said he he, he wants to bring everybody back. Now, I don't know how, how you know, literally you take that <laughs> quote, but is that a guy that they might circle back to? If I mean, because like it's just so tough for them to even go out and add somebody. I mean, everybody's been talking about oh, they need more scoring, they need more scoring. Where are they going to wedge that in with this salary cap situation? So I wonder if a guy like Brassard might still be in the picture. Yeah, I'm curious where Brassard stands with them as well, because obviously he was a healthy scratch a couple times during the playoffs. So I think you know when they're going on that kind of run, and you have someone like Derek Brassard who is it, you're not putting Derek Brassard on the ice, then it definitely murkies his status standing in the in the organization I guess but he also is someone that probably would be willing to take a team friendly deal and he's a pretty good you know bottom six kind of guy that you know you can plug in and and you know have for depth with injuries and such like that you know he's been around the block you know he's he's a I'd go for I'd call him a veteran you know he's he's definitely steadily approaching that that territory sure. so um I I definitely think he He's definitely still in the picture. I'm not sure how much of a priority he is, but I also think it matters what Derek is thinking too. You know, I've also, I mean, it's a possibility you can go back to the Rangers. You know, that would be, that would also be uh, a possibility. So, I mean, I feel like he's probably weighing his options right now, but I definitely think that um, he's probably on the back burner and they know that he's available to, you know, start negotiations and such. In that similar theme as well, for the Islanders, obviously, again, the cap cap situation is, is very tight and, um, you know, everyone knows it. But is there anyone out there that's still available on the market outside of bringing back a guy like Broussard that the Islanders, in, in your mind, could go after and, and get at a reasonable price? I think we, Sean and I have talked about uh, Anthony Duclair as possibly an option considering how long he's been on the market, but is there someone else, even if it's a Duclair, that you can envision them going after and getting at a reasonable price if they clear up some of that salary issue? I do like a Duclair type player. I definitely do like a Duclair type player because he would probably work under the under the salary cap, and he like he would probably be willing to take a bridge deal, which I feel like would it obviously just would benefit the team just under its current financial situation. So I, I think that that declare is definitely up there as one of the, one of the players that I would suggest that they go under. But again, it's so hard 
to even even think about it because of how much how many moves they need to make in order to start looking outside of the market. I feel there's too many in-house problems that they need to work through. I mean, I think Andy Green and Matt Martin need to be figured out before they can start looking at a market, whether they want to move on for them or you know nail them down to a deal. I feel like that will have to be. We're talking with, together first. We're talking, we're talking <laughs> with Molly Walker from the New York Post. Molly, uh, we'll end it here on this this question here, and we'll, we'll get you go. Um, as far as an actual season goes, the target date is January first. Mm. The NBA, it seems like, is going to get going with a December twenty second start date. How confident in your mind are you that the NHL will be able to hit that that January first date? And what do you think that this this bizarre shortened season what i would which i would imagine it's going to be look like once it starts well as someone that as i hate to admit i really did not think the whole bubble thing was going to come to fruition i really (laughs) didn't even see that (laughs) happening so i have to admit where i was wrong so it's hard for me to doubt them again (laughs) after being really sure that that was not going to work out or it wasn't gonna they weren't gonna get to be able to award a Stanley Cup um so I think that I think that the fact that they pushed it back from its original December's like target date shows that they're trying to really do it right which they did with the bubble I feel so I mean whatever they do whether they do bubbles again or you know they just have crazy protocols and such that they need to follow I feel like they're going to get it done and I feel like the NHL in particular is the one of all the major leagues that needs to get it done the most because they don't have the kind of big lucrative TV deals that the other, you know, uh, leagues have and they rely on every bit that they can and they can't afford not to have the season or they can't afford not to, you know, start everything back up again. So I, I definitely think January is realistic because I feel like they need it to happen by January so they're gonna make it happen like they did with the bubbles and and I doubted them so I'm not gonna doubt them again (laughs) Molly Walker from the New York Post you can follow her on Twitter she's at Molly Walker that's two e's and two r's uh Molly thank you so much for the time tonight and I promise next time we have you on I will make sure Sean (laughs) updates the graphic so that it's not a picture from your I think what was your senior year of college (laughs) senior year of college i mean as much as i'd love to stay in my senior year of college and look like i did senior year of college forever i can't so we are going to need to update that molly in in fairness i I did the best i could if you want to send us a new one that's fine it's the best i could find it's okay i forgive you maybe not the third time thanks a lot for joining us molly really appreciate it thanks for having me on guys have a good night you got to take care All right, folks, that was Molly Walker of the New York Post joining us for a little Islander talk. (laughs) What are you laughing at? Just trying to tell you to hang up the phone before the double beep happened. Well, the double beep happened. It's going to be part of the show now. We're going to let it go. We're going to get a look. It's like the ding before on your phone. Yeah. I didn't want to say anything, but yeah, I was that like, was, uh, that was like real, I forgot to silence my phone. Real professional, Sean. Well, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> tonight, tonight, we're not even supposed to be doing this show. It's the middle of the off season. Doesn't matter. So. Let's expand on this Hosang discussion. Yes, it, and honestly, I think it's probably one of the most fascinating parts of the offseason. It's, it's, we're going to be talking about this guy in the year 2034. <laughs> it's just never going to go away. I've, I've come to terms with it. I, I, I mean, I'm going back to shows with Tony right. when I was like, this will probably be the last 
episode we spend talking about Josh Hosang, and here you are, and we're talking about talking about him again. He signs this contract. It was just so bizarre. He he files for arbitration. I guess like Molly explained, maybe to get the uh, the that uh, minor league portion of it to to come up a little bit. But you got him. He's in the fold. And I, again, same question that I asked Molly is just you know how serious are they taking this guy as far as giving him a chance? Are they going to give him a chance? And, you know, what kind of spin does that put on this team? Because we've seen what he can do when he actually plays. Yeah. He, he basically produced at half a point a clip when he was up with the team. He played, what, like 40, 50-some-odd games between the couple of seasons yes, that he was yeah, up yeah. at the club. And he was a point producer. He, he, he did make a difference here and there. So the question is, is he a guy who can, I guess, stay responsible and do what he has to do at the professional level? And then also fit into a Barry Trotz scheme system where he can produce offensively but also be responsible defensively because, of course, that's going to be demanded of him. Well, even even I, I think Molly made a great point in the sense that when you look at the things that he's he's done and you kind of put those in quotes, comparatively to some of the other stuff that, that players have done, I, I mean, it's it's really night and day. It's not as, as awful as you, would, uh, as you would imagine. As far as we know. True. As far as we know, True, we don't, but, we don't but know I, what's going on behind the scenes. But I feel like at a certain point, if things were, if things were, if things were really bad, right? The mm-hmm. way news does tend to leak out every once in a while. Even even it, going back to the Garth Snow days, that yeah. would have come out, especially if the organization didn't think that he was someone that they wanted to have around, right? Mm-hmm. Because at some point, someone's going to talk, and someone talks to their cousin who talks to their their friend, and <laughs> right. and it ends up on Twitter. Right. And you have to imagine that that would have leaked by now. So. Again, the issues that we know about, in fairness, sure, sure, what we know, are not that bad. It's really, uh, you know, attitude things that don't necessarily jive with what the NHL's character is about, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. when you think about it. The NHL has a certain um, prototype for how they like their players to act or the, is the culture of the league. And, um, you know, as I've talked about before, I don't necessarily agree with some of that culture. Mm-hmm. And I think you could use a swift kick in the pants and be... <laughs> A bit different, but at, at sure. the same time, that's still the way the NHL operates. And um, but even in that in that light, it's not terrible what Josh Hosang has done. He's he's certainly a bit more verbose sometimes than maybe <laughs> you would hope as a, as a as an agent, as a coach, as a as a general manager. But at yeah. the same time, I mean, you know, he's he's a talented player. And I will say that if if the Islanders didn't thinking about it now, if the Islanders didn't think that he had at least some value to them, they don't. They don't give him, uh, you know, they don't offer him a contract, first of all, uh, right. a tender him an offer. Right. And then second of all, why even waste the space? You just let it, you know, why even try and work out a deal before arbitration? Yeah, it, it really does <laughs> beg a lot of questions. It really does. And I wonder if he will be given more of a chance simply because of this this cap crunch situation that we're in where the Islanders may just be out of options as far as adding <laughs> to the too. team. Yeah. No, seriously. Like, he might get a shot simply based on the fact that they can't they can't add anybody else. That's and, right, yeah. And, and you have a potential 40 to 60 point player, you know, making league yeah. minimum, that could really work out to being a steal. Like, I cannot believe this is the reality we're in. We're talking about this. But, you know, he may have a better chance of playing on this team than we think, you know, with all of these elements considered. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's a coup. 
if if he does show up and he does what he's supposed to do and he behaves himself, you know, whatever, right. whatever he he doesn't do whatever he was doing behind the <laughs> scenes that that kept him off the team this long, right? And then all of a sudden you, you have a guy who who can really boost the offense of this team. I mean, it it is very interesting to consider. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting circumstance. Again, I agree with you. I never thought at this point in where we are, we'd still be talking about Josh Hosang and his chances of being on the roster, or what's, what's his outlook with the Islanders, but here we are, and the circumstances kind of remain the same, and this might be his, well, this is obviously going to be his last chance, but it might be his best chance, again, considering the circumstances around the financial hit that everyone has taken in the league. Right, and I'm done saying it's his last chance because <laughs> he's like a cat. He's got nine lives because every time you think it's his last chance, here he is, he's sticking around. And But, but you had to have, uh, Matt, I, like, if the circumstances of what happened with COVID, if if that doesn't happen after he's sent to another team's right, minor league affiliates, right. you have to imagine that Lou Lamarell is like, all right, this is it. We're we're, we're sending you here. Like, right. This is this is the end of your tenure. Have fun. Best yeah. of luck. You right. know, we wish you the best and everything. Yeah. And and we, everyone moves on. But I think that changed with COVID. I think that changed with the financial circumstances that we've been talking about. And I think you're right. I hate using that sentence. I think you're right, Sean. <laughs> I think you're right that considering the circumstances, the Islanders may have just been put into this position where they say, we can get this guy cheap. We know he has talent. And if we can rein him in a little bit, we got a pretty good player on our hands. Yeah, I mean, maybe they begrudgingly went through this this <laughs> process to, to keep him on the team. Maybe he wasn't part of the plans and everything kind of got thrown for a loop. Right, right. I mean, again, we, we talk about the salary cap and no one, how no one could have predicted it. But, yeah, no one's predicting that the flat cap is going to be where it is. But, uh, I mean, it's certainly an interesting situation. And that also leads to the fact that we still don't even know if next season when it's going to when it's going to start. We have an idea. And I, I'd start date, like we are talking with Molly there at the end of the conversation of January mm-hmm. 1. But that's still up in the air. That still remains to be to be seen if it comes to fruition. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, you know, it's funny, like, as we're talking about, I'm thinking about the, the line combinations and, you know, potentially being on one of the power play units, and it does add another dynamic to the team if it works out, and it could be really nice seeing him setting passes up for J.G. Pajot. That would be pretty sweet. I think they'd be, be a pretty, pretty sweet, sweet combination, yeah. I mean, he's got the speed, He's. He, I mean, he's basically... As far as the, the, the playmaking skills go, he's almost like a Barzell light, right? He's always looking yeah. pass first. I, I've often compared the two uh, about their style of play and some of their ability because they do have a very similar ability. They, you know, they're both very good scorers when they, when they shoot first, but mm-hmm. they have a great playmaking ability to them too. Yeah. And obviously that kind of gets overshadowed with Hosang because of everything else that gets talked about, right? Mm-hmm. So it it kind of goes to the back of everyone's mind because the first thing everyone thinks of is, you know, the circumstances where he puts himself in a spot where oversleeping and then, you know, he shows up to camp <laughs> right. late the first day and you're right. like, dude, come on. Right. Like, what are you doing? Right. Um, or some of these other circumstances where, where maybe he says something that isn't the best time to be saying that. So right. that's always kind of what overshadows the way Josh Hosang plays. And, and, and if you're a general manager or a coach and you don't necessarily want that want to deal with that, it's mm-hmm. a very it's very easy to say, all right, well, he's done this, that, and the other thing. And you can kind of just overlook the fact that he's a pretty talented hockey player. Right. Well, to our shock and surprise, the Josh Hosang saga continues, and we're going to keep an eye on it because it could yeah. get very interesting. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting when camp opens. It'll be interesting to see where he's used, who he's practicing with, and I know we often talk about, or, or writers often talk about. You know, there's not really too much to read into practice, but there is some. I think there's going to be some 
sense of where his standing is with the group that he'll be practicing with whenever camp opens. Right, right. And we still don't even know when that's going to be. And right. I guess we can expand on that now as well, which we talked to Molly about. What is your current feeling on this start of the new season? Where do you think it's going to go? You think it's going to – you think – you agree with Molly? You think January is a good target? You think it's going to get pushed back to February? People are already talking about that. You know, I think I was in the camp for a while that it'll probably get pushed back to February. But mm-hmm. if the NBA is saying they can turn around and for an entirely new season mm-hmm. by December 22nd, which is not that far away, you know, you're really talking a little – you're talking over um, less than two months now at this point. The NHL should be able to pull that together, pull up, pull together a plan by January 1. They should be able to figure that out because the NBA has their plan, apparently, is they'll be playing at home arenas. Interesting. They will have to figure out the health protocols. They're going to have to figure out a lot more of the details. But uh, some of the interesting thing is, I mean, their offseason hasn't even started yet. Their draft is this month. Gotcha. So they earn it. It's a. It's kind of a flip flip side of what the NHL did. The NHL mm-hmm. has already held their draft right after the Cup final ended. Right. You know, the off season began right after the draft. Right. The NBA has kind of done the opposite. The draft is coming up. Their off season's coming up, and now they have to work that out. And they're still planning on starting the season by the twenty second. So you have to think the NHL has cleared the hurdle of our draft off season. Um, they've figured out how the salary cap is going to work. It's interesting because the NBA is going to have still have a salary cap that goes up, but by a much smaller margin. But obviously the NBA is different than the NHL where TV is king and they have a, a tremendous television deal that makes that a bit more possible. Right. And also they don't have to deal with the number of Canadian teams that the NHL does. The NBA only has the Toronto Raptors. Just one, yeah. And they're... Their plan is to move them down and base them in, 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 in a North American city. Newark has been thrown around as an option. I think option. I saw Nashville. Nashville is yeah. another option. Interesting. So that will be, I mean, the NBA and NHL have some uh, different circumstances, but the fact that the NBA has managed to clear some of these hurdles, right. I think says that the NHL should be able to do this considering that two of those hurdles have already been cleared. Mm-hmm. And then you just go about, all right, do we realign divisions? Do we make an all-Canadian division? Then we do we Right, make, I was going to bring that up. Do we, or do we – I mean, I doubt they would ever envision moving six Canadian-based teams down to North America or down to the United States of America. <laughs> right. But, I, I mean, at this point, if you're trying to have fans and buildings and you're trying to be as profitable as you can, would that be an option that people might, might like to see? Would it be a, a profitable option for owners? Right, that's interesting. I mean, that's, again, I'm spitballing here now. Right, no, point, I, I hear you, I hear you. But it, it also, with regards to the NBA, did they outline any sort of plans as far as fans in the building yet? Have they even gotten that far? I don't think so. No. But it, but the I think with the NHL, a lot of the early conversation has been kind of a sliding scale. They'll start perhaps with no fans in the building and mm-hmm. then maybe work their way there. It, it's interesting because you look at... The NFL, as we've talked about before, mm. certain teams are having fans in buildings. Right. You know, the Texas teams have them. Mm. Florida, Pennsylvania just started opening up their stadiums okay. to, to to fans. So there are different areas that are opening up for fans to be there. But with the NHL, it's different. You're obviously talking about indoor arenas now. You have to talk about the ventilation systems. You have to talk about protocols with the masks and everything like that. And it, it, it provides an interesting kind of conundrum, too. Do you, do you go out and you have certain teams have their buildings open? 
and have a small number of fans in there, while right. other teams like like the Islanders, the Rangers, the Devils most likely won't be able to have fans in the building early on. Yeah, I think they'll do it city by city. I don't think they're going to do like a league-wide, okay, no fans in any buildings. I think if some cities are willing to let people, you know, gather in the buildings, I think they'll do it because, again, the gate is, is where they're getting their money. And they're going to want people in there as soon as possible. It's a gate-driven league. And, I mean, right. I think that even goes more so for the American Hockey League, which is also trying to figure out. I, they, I think right. they're targeting a February start date. Maybe it's a January. I think it was. I think they have a hard date, and I think it was January. I don't remember what it was, but I think they do have but a, a specific but date of mind. Also, they're in a similar situation. They have teams based in Canada. They have right. – I mean, you talk about gate-driven leagues. The American Hockey League is all gate-driven. <laughs> right, um, right. You know? So it'll be interesting. Uh, it, 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 at what point? I mean, just again, kind of spitballing here. Mm-hmm. Maybe you kind of, maybe you ask some of those AHL teams to either, because uh, a lot of them are owned by the parent team, right? Not all of them, but most of them are owned by the parent team. Mm-hmm. Do you ask them, hey, do you come to move your team entire base of operation to where the home city is, mm-hmm. and you have a double header, or you put certain mm-hmm. AHL games with with an NHL game on the same day? Also, if the NBA is playing idea. now, you have a lot of buildings that are multi-purpose. Right. Now, Islanders don't have to worry about that because they don't have a multi-purpose facility. And they won't have a multi-purpose facility even when Belmont's open. They won't have to worry about that that part. But a lot of the other teams in the NHL also have to worry about now an NBA schedule. That'll go all the way into July, depending right. on which teams make the playoffs and everything. Right. Like that. And how long do, does the NHL season go? You have to also think the Olympics are coming up next summer. Because they were pushed back from this summer. So you don't right. want to intrude on that. A, because your national broadcast partner is the <laughs> broadcaster of the Olympics. And right. two, you don't want to get killed in the ratings. Right. Right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I did look into some mock scenarios as far as the division, you know, lining up and stuff like that. Like the, the all-Canadian division like you talked about. That would be pretty interesting. Um, where they may end up having to play just each other for the duration of the season. Before it gets to the playoffs, like if if that uh, that border situation is still there, where you can't have teams, you know, coming back and forth, you know, to and from Canada, they may have to play each other for the entirety of however many games are in the season. Yeah, which would be very bizarre, and then, <laughs> it'd be very old school. It, oh yeah, very absolutely. old school. I mean, it'd be cool too. I mean, one th- look, all of this well, is talk awful. about talk about rivalries being developed. You basically yeah. have all six Canadian markets hating yeah. each other. Right, and and you're literally going to have every division. I'm not to say they don't do it now, but even more so where it's it's going to be by geography, right? Like you look at some of those mock divisions, and and you probably see a situation where Boston, Buffalo, the Islanders, the Rangers all end up in the same division if they end up going this route, you know. And, and it could make for uh, some very interesting hockey. And and what I was starting to say, this whole thing is awful. It's terrible that all this stuff is going on, but. It, it all this stuff that's coming of it, like even the return to play, it's just all been very interesting, right? And it's it's kind of you know gives you an, another reason to watch. I mean, it was exciting to have that whole return to play, everything yeah. in the bubble, and and you know having the extra teams in there. It's different whether you agreed with it or not. It's it was a one time thing, but it was cool to watch. Yeah, and for I sure. think whatever comes of this next season, if they do have to jump through certain hoops in mm-hmm. order to get the the season to start. I think it's going to be cool and interesting to see how they do it and, and, you know, what will make for another special season to remember. Right, and hopefully we'll be moving towards getting fans back into the building, getting media back into the building. So, yeah. you know, to be there and to cover games again would be just a nice bit of return to normalcy for sure. for a lot of people in, in our industry anyway. Uh, and then hockey fans who just who would like to be back in the building and, and get some sense of normalcy. Yeah. Some sense of, hey... 
you know, things are getting back to the way, some semblance of the way they used to be. Yeah, well, you got to figure we're going to get some news about it sometime soon because, I mean, we're already into November. It was 72 degrees this weekend, which just doesn't make any (laughs) sense. But we're eight days into November, and if they're targeting January, you got to figure the plans have got to be in motion already, and we'll probably hear something. I'm a little surprised we we don't have a little more already. But maybe this NBA announcement kind of is a, is a kick in the pants for the NHL, right. and maybe they start coming out with some sort of information because I just feel like we're really in the dark right now. Like, we just have no idea what's going to happen. It, it, again, I think everyone's working their hardest. I will say, I, again, I agree with Molly in the sense that when you look at the leagues, the major professional sports leagues that have been able to come back and, and put together playoffs, uh, you know, the they NHL. Knocked it out of the park. The NHL did a, a great a bang job. up job. Yeah. Um, and for. For a league that does a lot of things wrong a lot of times, <laughs> right. you got to give them credit where credit's due. And they they deserve full credit for the way they pulled off the bubble in Toronto and Edmonton. For sure. Well, we'll, we'll keep an ear on it, and we'll, uh, we'll try to figure it out. And I think we're going to wrap things up. Yeah. Okay. we got a great show next week, though. Exciting. Yeah, I did want to address that before we went. Uh, we're still going to have Doc Emmerich on the program. <laughs> got pushed back a couple times, but unfortunately scheduling got in the way. But uh, as of right now, we are full steam ahead to have Doc on the show next week. So we are super, super excited for that. Can't wait to have him on the show. Going to talk about his book, talk about retirement. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to it. Yes, we've been excited for the last couple weeks. So (laughs) it's finally happened. We're we're amped. Absolutely. So folks, want to thank you for tuning into Hockey Night New York. I want to thank Molly Walker of the New York Post for joining us. And we want to thank our sponsors, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Make sure you head on over for great food, great service, and great Islander fans. And we want to thank Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company, providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at ThaiTechnology.com for all your telecom needs. Or give them a call at 516-856-7800. Once again, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you catch next week's show with Doc Emmerich. It's going to be awesome. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. Have a great rest of your Sunday night, folks. Take care.